Thank you for downloading the sermon podcast of Calvary Chapel of Mercer County. Enjoy the message. Okay, friends. We are tonight going to be in Genesis chapter 45. We'll go as far as uh, we are able to go. Uh, we're moving through, remember? Uh, we're going to pick up in Exodus right after this, so uh, that should be a lot of fun. Maybe... Uh, Right around September, we'll, we'll be hitting Exodus, probably earlier. But anyway, uh, just a quick reminder, we are now in the portion of the book that the primary figure is a man by the name of Joseph. Joseph is one of the 12 sons of Israel, um, and he did not have a great relationship with his brothers, was sold off into slavery by those brothers. Eventually, while they're in Egypt as a slave, he rose to number two in the kingdom. Um, and much like God did with Esther, he brought Joseph for such a time as this um, to kind of prepare the way to, pre- to preserve, uh, in many ways, the known world at that time, but particularly the nation of Israel. So uh, there is a famine that is taking place in the land. The Lord had revealed that there would be a famine to Pharaoh in a dream. Joseph was called in to interpret that g- dream, also gave him some advice, uh, what you should do is find somebody to kind of run things around here and uh, prepare during the seven years of plenty. And the Pharaoh said, well, you seem like you know what you'd be able to do. Joseph's hired. Um, Here we are now, seven years of plenty have come and gone. They're now into the seven years of famine. They're two years into that, we'll learn, if we haven't already. Uh, And Joseph's brothers have come down to buy some food. Uh, Joseph recognizes them immediately, we saw kind of puts a test out there for him uh, to see if they're the same old brothers uh, or if God had changed them over the last 20-some years. And he uh, accuses them of being spies. They say they're not. He says, well, uh, I'm going to keep one of you here. You need to go home, bring your other brother back with you, and then I'll know that you guys aren't just making up stories. And so the brothers go home. As we saw, it seems as if the brothers weren't planning, or the father was, wasn't planning on letting the brothers come back, but then they run out of food. And so he says, you got to go back. And they're like, we can't go back unless we bring food. Uh, or excuse me, we, uh, we bring our brother to buy food. And so he reluctantly says, all right, you can bring Benjamin. And so they go back once again, come before Joseph. And Joseph provides for them, uh, sends them on their way with what? What did he send their money's back in the sack. Their sacks. And? A silver cup. A Joseph's silver cup that was placed in uh, Benjamin's bag. Benjamin is Joseph's younger brother. And so the idea, you know. Why did he send both money in a cup? I gave him back the money the first time, too. So it was kind of like, I'm not charging you kind of thing. But he sends that cup. This must have been a nice cup. I'm sure it was lovely. <laughs> and his purpose is to give the impression that Benjamin took it. Uh, moments after the brothers leave, uh, the steward leaves, Joseph steward, and he says, go get him and uh, say this to him. How dare you steal my cup? Didn't you know that I'd be able to find out? And uh, they're going to bring Jacob back, excuse me, Benjamin back. Uh, but all ten brothers say, you know what, we'll all go back. And so they do. And that brings us to where we are. Sound good? Sounds great. All right. So we are in chapter 45, verse 1. 
And it says, Now then Joseph, we'll read the first three verses, could not control himself before all those who stood by him. And he cried, Make everyone go out from me. So no one stayed with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept aloud, so that the Egyptians heard it, and the household of Pharaoh heard it. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed at his presence. Why are you, fun? Why are you laughing? My tr- translation says terrified. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I will talk about it. So verse 1, uh, you know, they come back. He sees all of them. They come before him once again. And it, and notice it says Joseph couldn't control himself. So for whatever, an hour at a time, the last two times they had come, he had kept himself composed. He had played the game. He had pretended he didn't know them, um, didn't reveal that he uh, was their brother, likely didn't speak in Hebrew or anything like that to him. Um, and, but now he just can't control. He's about to cry. Um, and so he yells out, he cries out, everyone leave except for the brothers. Um, what what moves him? What's causing him to this come to this place he can't control himself? Well, he just got pled with, right, by Judah. Yep, and that was last time, last week. So if you weren't here, tell us, Mark, about that. So he said, he said, no, I'm just going to keep Joe. I'm just going to keep Benjamin here. And Judah said, "If you if we send us back without our brother, our father will die." Well, that's Jacob; it's his father. So mm-hmm. I think Same he's, father. He's understanding that there's 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 a problem there, and that he can't. I mean, he's, yeah, I don't think he would have ever sent them back, like them back and kept Benjamin anyways. Mm-hmm. But he realizes that now he's probably pushed the pushed the test a little too far. Okay, I think. Okay, I agree. Alrighty. I think there's also a sense of he, the steward gave them all a chance to abandon uh, Benjamin because the steward is like, no, only the guy who did it kind of thing, you know. Um, And now Joseph kind of gave him a chance and they're not biting at that. So it seems like there's a real change here. And then Judah goes so far as to say, look, you know, let me serve his penalty and all that kind of stuff. And remember, Judah was the guy who is the ringleader when uh, Joseph was sold, too many J's. I get so when Joseph was sold into slavery, it was Judah who was the ringleader of all of that. And now he's stepping up and he's saying, "No, you know, I'll take the blame," and all that kind of stuff. So uh, there's a change, and he's moved by that. Um, and so he clears the room of everyone. He reveals who he is, as we see there. How do you think he did that? He said. Oh. He spoke in Hebrew. Okay, so uh, other people knew that he was Jewish, right? Right. In in his in Egypt, his his brothers didn't know necessarily. Um, they certainly didn't know that he was his brother. So maybe that's it. You know, maybe he said like the the family saying. You know, something that the dad always said around the table, and so he throws that out there, and they're like, "Look, look, look I'm Joseph." Um, there is a Jewish tradition. Do you know it? No. Oh, good. And I, Well, I'm glad it's all men tonight. The Jewish tradition is that he revealed to them that he, he himself was also circumcised. And they were like, oh, you know, now I see. Literally. You know, I um, thought that when I was reading this. That that you would be, thought that? No, no. I said, well, we'll be a distinguishing mm-hmm. Right. But I thought Egyptians also practiced circumcision. Oh, I don't know. But from what I read, the Jewish tradition okay. is that's how he revealed himself. So... <laughs> Well, I mean, it could be he told everyone to leave, 
maybe want some privacy in that thing. <laughs> maybe. Uh, <laughs> not that, you know, it's built in as early as a few years ago. I know it was still practicing the Jewish stuff. Oh, yeah, it's still practiced. Oh, it's still Certainly so. Yeah, they still do it. All right, now verse 2. Anyway, however it happened, uh, <laughs> now he begins to weep aloud. Now, notice... Um, you know, that's like crying and convulsing so loud that people that are outside of the room are hearing what's going on here. The, all the slaves, that's the household of Pharaoh, they're hearing it, uh, and he's weeping. Now, uh, these could be tears of joy, right? He's seeing his brothers again. He's able to interact with them. He hadn't been able to do so. Um, but I think they could also be other kinds of tears, and I think it's significant to consider. So I'll ask you, what other types of tears besides tears of joy could these be? Sadness. Why sadness? Because he missed his brothers, even though he had known what they had done to him. Okay, so sadness for all the time he had lost with them and stuff like that? Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah, sure. On your side, you... You cry, absolutely. That's right. What else? Well, we we talked about this when this whole thing started. The the, the whole him keeping himself concealed. It seems like almost a cruel thing to do when his brothers thought he was dead to pretend that he that he wasn't who he was. Okay. So is there any is there any bit of regret that he played this whole thing out for several years? Well, at least several months. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Instead uh, of just immediately, as soon as you see them, just, you know, welcome them. All right, so a little bit of regret for the way he treated them or something? I would think so. Okay. I'm trying to hold that in for all that time and all those years. I, I jotted down, they could be tears of relief. And here's what I mean by that, that... He, for 20 plus years, he believed the promises of God, but never saw their fulfillment. And now he sees their fulfillment and like sort of the burden of the expectation of what God was going to do was finally released. And that brought tears. I've personally, I've experienced things like that. Um, I think perhaps tears of satisfaction that... And by that, what I mean is, yes, I believe God's going to do this, but my life is hard, and this isn't good and comfortable, and I don't like it, and I want it to stop. But he continued faithfully to move through all of that. And now, all of those years of difficulty to get to this point to provide for his family in this particular way are being realized. And, you know, it's like a lady giving birth to a baby, you know, it's like, this is the worst thing I'll ever do. I'll never do it again. I hate my husband and all of that. And then all of a sudden, you know, once five minutes goes by, they're like, that was wonderful and I love my baby, and, you know, and all that. So there's like a satisfaction to that. And so perhaps that's part of this whole weeping. All of these emotions are coming at once. Um, something to consider. And so, and I think it's a, it's a, um, it's just really helpful for us to see ourselves in Joseph and the the difficulties and the challenges and to continue to walk faithfully with his God even in the midst of that. It's it's almost like, you know, Hebrews 11, you can do it. 
you know what I mean? But you don't understand all the difficulties. No, no, you can do it. Others have done it before you, uh, and so on. So, you've never heard, there's a wonderful sermon. Um, I think, Baron, you've heard of it, I'm sure. It's uh, Damien Kyle, I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. And he does a sermon on Hebrews 11 that's called It Can Be Done. It, actually, excuse me, it's Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 3, I think, um, that it can be done. And it's it's very powerful, and it's mm-hmm. it's probably a good one to listen to once a year, just mm-hmm. as a keep up all right well so joseph says to his brothers i am joseph is my father still alive but his brothers could not answer him for they were dismayed and again dismayed could be shocked that's really what we think of with dismayed hard to believe but it could also be frightened it could be terrified um and a little bit later in look in verse four he says he said to his brothers come near to me the idea could be they were terrified and all ran to the corner, you know, and he's like, no, no, come back, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but we can understand that. So let's read from 4 down to 15. Joseph said to his brothers, come near to me, please. And they came near and he said, I am thinking of uh, Bill Cosby. Come here. You know, I don't know if you remember that. And, and they came, yeah. And he said, I'm your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here, for God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are yet five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth, and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh, and lord of all his house, and ruler of all the land of Egypt. Hurry, go up to my father, and say to him, Thus says your son Joseph, God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me. Do not tarry. You shall dwell in the land of Goshen, and you shall be near me, you and your children, and your children's children, and your flocks, and your herds, and all that you have. There I will provide for you, for there are yet five years of famine to come, so that you and your household and all that you have do not come to poverty. And now your eyes see, and the eyes of my brother Benjamin see, that it is my mouth that speaks to you. You must tell my father of all my honor in Egypt, and of all that you have seen. Hurry, bring your father down here. My father down here. Then he fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck and he wept. And Benjamin wept upon his. And he kissed all of his brothers and he wept upon them. And after that his brothers talked with him. (laughs) Took a while for them to say, okay, I think everything's cool. All right, but uh, certainly you can understand not believing him to be Joseph. Um, He says, come near to me. Perhaps that's, you know, because Joseph would not have looked like a Hebrew, not looked like a Jewish guy. He took on that Egyptian kind of style. Um, that they had shaved heads and things like that, and uh, but it, you know you get close and you look at his face. Remember his brothers and he weren't really together for twenty some years. Last time they were together, Joseph was like seventeen, um, really together. I know they were for like a little bit, a month or two ago. So the idea is he's probably changed a lot over that time, and he looks quite differently. But you know it's like you look at a picture of someone if you kind of study it a little bit, like hey, I can see it. So maybe he's saying, "Come near to me, uh, take a good look." It could also be that they ran and hid in the corner and that they're coming. He says to them, don't be distressed. Don't be angry with yourselves because you sold me here. And then he says just this most remarkable phrase, for God sent me before you uh, to preserve life. Uh, So, you know, I'm trying to picture the whole scene. I imagine as they're coming near, he's reading their faces. (laughs) They're terrified. They think now he's going to get us. Now he's going to kill us. Um, throw us in jail, make us slaves or whatever. Uh, and reading their faces, he says, look, no, don't be distressed don't, because of what you did. He, he says, yeah, I know what you did, but God, 
used all of that. There was a purpose in all of it to preserve life. And in that statement, he's making the statement that all the difficulty that I went through in life was worth it so that I could be used to preserve life. And I just think that's way beyond uh, me you know, and us, uh, perhaps. And so, Joseph, what a man of God. Uh, verse 6, he, it says, A famine in the land had been uh, in the land for two years, and there are five more to come. God sent me before you to preserve life, a remnant of the earth, keep you alive uh, for, your many, for you many survivors. Uh, they don't know. Seven years of plenty. They don't know the whole dream. I don't know how many people in, in Egypt, I guess they all were kind of told, look, why the taxes so high all of a sudden? Because here's what's going to happen. You know, God, the gods revealed it to Joseph and so on and so forth. But these Jews likely wouldn't have known that. So he, he explains it to him. Um, he again explains and informs his brothers that God uh, did all of this to, to accomplish good even in the midst of evil he was going to use their evil actions to accomplish his good purposes so question Dwight Schrute question was Joseph in Egypt because of his brother's sin or because of God's plan talk amongst mm. yourselves yes right <laughs> <laughs> okay so you're saying both mm -hmm. yeah Okay. Anybody disagree? All right. New question. Does God cause evil? No. No. So he didn't cause the brothers doing what they were going to do and Joseph being sold into slavery? and No. He knew it was going to happen because he was sovereign. Okay. But I don't know if he caused it. Yes, sir? I think you can take a circumstance that stinks. And then make it not stink. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Anybody so else want to weigh in? So the sticky part is, you know, the brothers with, you know, their simple uh, motives resulted in Joseph being sold into slavery, and then God took that scenario and made it his own. Which he already knew was going to happen. Which he knew yeah. in his sovereignty. But even, take sovereignty <laughs> aside, he took something that we would see as totally screwed up and he's like, nah, I'm still going to make it glorify me. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, God didn't cause the evil, but you're saying God can use the evil. I wouldn't say, I wouldn't put it that, not the evil itself, but he can use that scenario or whatever. Yeah. And then make it. To Good notice. come from it. Yeah, he knows it. <laughs> okay. Nobody's help with that. <laughs> uh, scripture to support those views? Just what you feel in your heart? <laughs> well, we can do that. Yeah, totally, man. Um, <laughs> Romans. Um, the, um, 828. Yeah. Works all well, things together. All things. All things. Okay, so that's the those idea that God love. can use the evil yeah. circumstances. Okay. What about this idea, though, that God doesn't cause evil? Is that just your feeling or so, yeah so here's the whole thing so the whole free will idea right he doesn't violate any any creature's nature and we're all by nature sinners even saved people still have a sinful nature right so his brothers still had a sin nature he didn't in any way violate their nature by allowing them to do what they were going to do 
he could have stopped. He actually could have stopped them by working the circumstances different. But he had a obviously Joseph is giving an insight. God sent me down here, so God let God let evil men work out what they were going to do. What Baron was saying that was ultimately going to weave into his plan his to plan, send yeah. Joseph down there. Okay, so he didn't violate their free will and make them sell Joseph into slavery. No. It was the attitude of their heart anyway. Right. But it all fit perfectly and, into and his... Of course, you know, God helped it along by giving Joseph dreams that kind of made his... His brother mad at him or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so... Sir? I was going to say uh, about evil, just look at Job. He didn't... He knew what the devil was planning to test him and to, and he allowed him to be tested. He didn't cause the the circumstances, but he allowed the devil to uh, test Job. Yep. Within within the parameters, yeah. Right. All right. Great. All right. So and, yeah. And then, you know, from our perspective, because of sin, sin is the reason there's all these problems we have, whether it's illness or circumstances like that, or. Uh huh hardened hearts or you know so God didn't cause sin I mean God could have just said alright do over and it doesn't take away your responsibility right right and he chose not to do that he chose to in the guise of allowing sin it allowed him to make the ultimate sacrifice which he wouldn't have had to, had to have done had the sin predicament not existed. Right. He could have just all right, do over. I'll start over and right. do it. My, do it. Do it a different way. You know. And, and none of you would sacrifice you're referring to as Jesus. Yes. Okay. And in and in the bigger sense of things, if you look forward, we get told in the New Testament that there is one who is restraining right now. Right. So people are not as evil as they possibly could be. Right. Because mm -hmm. God does restrain right. some level of evil, but at some point that's going to be taken out of the way. Right. And it's going to get a lot worse here. And that which that restraineth would well, that be the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Great for, discussion. For what that's worth. <laughs> what is? What we all just said. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, I think it's worth a lot. God doesn't. Yeah. God's not the author of sin, but He allows sin right. to happen to work out His. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because, I, well, I mean, when you're dealing with non-believers, you know, a lot of my friends will point out, you know, he's so good and so whatever, why doesn't he stop? And, mm. you know, well, none of us deserve anything good anyway, so that's, that's this whole self-righteous... That's, that's the non-believers. They just like a lot of drama anyway, so... Well, <laughs> well I mean... Think it, about it, you know. Most right, but... Non-believers are always looking for an argument about... Yeah, but I was... Well, your God said this, and... I didn't. I didn't see that. But I, I was that way before I was a believer yeah, too. It's, evil it's, spirit anyway. When you, I mean, I, remembering my unbelieving days, you know, it was because the Holy Spirit wasn't in me. That's why. Period. And that's that's the that's the primary predicament of the unbelievers. They don't have the Holy Spirit in them. They have. They, a, they have a spirit in them, but it's evil. Right. But I'm just saying that the, our our as believers, I think, our primary responsibility to unbelievers is sharing the gospel. That's their that is their main problem. Everything else is in, irrelevant almost. It's confrontational for Well I, I can relate because I was I was that way before mm -hmm. I was a believer. All right. But now being on the other side, I it's all peace and joy. 
<laughs> well, not all. I don't mean at all. Well, yeah, well, there's, there's joy. Then <laughs> peace most of the time. But then there's but then there's the question that people bring up. Well, why does God allow storms to kill people? Mm. He's really good. Yeah, yeah. And and that's that's an interesting argument there. Not to get too far in a panic, but the Bible talks about you know God brings disasters. You know, sin sin didn't. You know, sin might have messed up the world system as well, but it clearly says that, you know, God brings disaster. Do we understand why he does it? Do what he wanted to do. I mean, look what happened, speaking of uh, New Orleans, we thought that that would be, uh, people said that was a good thing. It kind of flushed out all the all yeah. the wickedness. Now I'm sure it's yeah. back twice as bad, but at least for a while. Yeah, they broke mm-hmm. it all down. Well, you look at 9-11, how many people got saved yeah, as a result. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, I mean, certainly you want to be careful of... I mean, that was a sin, like, sinful act of people. I'm saying a natural disaster. Oh, natural. Though. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but God can use things like that. Um, you know, there there was a book out years ago. Uh, what was it called? Uh, why Good Things Happen to... Why Bad Things Happen to Good People mm-hmm. uh, and things like that. And the basic argument of the book was that there's nothing God can do about it. He's sorry that it's happening, but it's happening. That is that God is sort of powerless here on the earth. And certainly that is not the picture the the, the scripture paints. Um, so he can work through it. He can use it. He doesn't bring it about necessarily, you know, in this, the evil here, uh, but he can certainly work his plan. He can move it all. I, I just, I love that movie. I talk about it all the time. I think of the adjustment bureau. I told you that movie. Um, Matt Damon is in it, and I don't know if you know the movie. They t- I talked to you about it here, no? Apparently not. Anyway, the the general premise of it is Matt Damon's life, everybody's life is plotted out already, and they're going to get there. And if they turn right here, people will adjust things so that he goes up and he makes a left and a left, and he gets back on course to where he needs to be, and and then he eventually violates the adjustment bureau or whatever. It's, it's a neat little movie. Um, but I, I think so. In so many ways, that's kind of the Lord. He's going to get us exactly where He wants us to be uh, in our timing. We have our free will and all that. Um, so, anyway, Joseph here. I think the more important thing is throughout all these difficulties, no record of it in Scripture. Joseph doesn't say, "You know what, God, I'm done with you. You're not fair. I don't like how you're treating me." Um, but he continues to maintain his faith. Uh, his attitude of trust, a reliance upon God and who God is and what God is doing, even despite uh, the trials. And somebody as G. Campbell Morgan, I thought, did a very good job with this. He said that a man of faith looks up in faith uh, through the midst of the circumstance, even though it's getting dark, he continues to look up. A man of faith, Joseph was assured of God's divine purposes in the midst of it, and so he could look in the midst of it as well. So he's looking up, but he's looking in the midst of it, uh, no matter how difficult the circumstances uh, could be. And then as he kind of plots his course, the man of faith can look back uh, and understand the reasons for all the circumstances that God brought him through. And uh, we see that, I think, that example of Joseph, um, that he continued to maintain integrity even when sold into slavery, even when sold out by his master's wife, even when forgotten in prison, he continues to look up. Uh, and now that he's on the other side of things, he can look back and he can see what God was doing and why God was doing it. And that's a good lesson for us. All right? Yeah. All right, verse 8. So it was not he who sent me here. Excuse me. It was not you who sent me here, but God. He's made me a father to Pharaoh. Now, I wondered, 
we were talking about earlier, when exactly Joseph, we don't know, but when exactly Joseph was in Egypt, uh, and they estimate that he was somewhere around 1775 to seven to 1800 BC. Um, and so there was one dynasty that came to an end. It was like a 35 year dynasty uh, of a pharaoh that comes to an end in 1785 and a new one begins uh, and goes on for another 35, 40 years or whatever. So I, I sort of wonder if Joseph kind of comes in right at the start mm. of that new dynasty where there's like a young king or whatever, pharaoh. Uh, it doesn't really matter, but I, I like to look at little clues in the Bible, so maybe that's one of them for us. Uh, who knows? But he, uh, he's his father figure. He's number two in command in the whole nation or empire. Um, and uh, he says, it was not you who sent me here, but God. Okay, so God's going to use... So, he is going to use this for good. Um, but that doesn't mean that the brothers are without responsibility. You know, so it's like this idea, well, what do you want me to do, God? I was just being used by you to accomplish your purposes or whatever. Um, so, uh, they're still responsible. Obviously, if they repent, then God can show his mercy. There may still be earthly consequences, but that's that. All right, verses 9 to 11, we read it, I think, right? Yeah, we yes. read that. Notice it says that, uh, bring your family down. They can dwell on the land of Goshen. A little bit later on, Goshen in Exodus is described as sort of this place of um, pasture land and so on because they were shepherds. Uh, it's in northern Egypt. The, the people of Israel would dwell there from the days of Joseph up into the days of Moses and the Exodus. Um, there is one... Uh, of the plagues, which darkness over all the land, and it describes how there's not darkness over the land of Goshen, where the children of Israel are. Uh, it's a word which means drawing near. Um, so, the it's it seems as if it's a drawing near to like the capital city, not in the capital city, um, but either way. Um, and verse twelve, I see you see the eyes of me and my brother Benjamin. It's my mouth that speaks to you. You must tell my father, hurry, bring my father down here. And then notice he falls upon his brother Benjamin's neck and they weep together. Uh, and then notice this verse 15. He kisses all of his brothers and weeps upon their necks as well. Um, so it, it really seems as if Joseph has kind of, there's no bitterness. He's not angry with them um, for what they had done. Uh, and they seem to have bought into it as well. And they begin to talk with him, realizing uh, that they don't have to fear Joseph any longer. It's interesting, at the end of things, uh, end of the book, when Jacob dies, they're really fearful that Joseph is now going to get him. And he's like, no, I'm telling you, I've forgiven you. you know? So, all right, verse 16. Now, when the report was heard in Pharaoh's house, Joseph's brothers have come and pleased Pharaoh and his servants. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, Say to your brothers, Do this, load your beasts, and go back to the land of Canaan, and take your father and your households, and come to me, and I will give you the best of the land of Egypt, and you shall eat the fat of the land. And you, your, and you, Joseph, are commanded to say, Do this, take wagons from the land of Egypt for your little ones, and for your wives, and bring your father, and come. Have no concern for your goods, for the best of all the land of Egypt is yours, he says. All right, so let's go back and take a look. Um, verse 16 Pharaoh finds out 
um, probably knew that Joseph had brothers. I don't recall if, if we learned that, but I, I suspect he probably did. Either way, he clearly respects Joseph, appreciates Joseph, wants to do something very kind for Joseph. Uh, and so he says, bring your whole family down here. Um, Joseph said that's what he was going to do, and now Pharaoh confirms that plan. Notice where it says in verse uh, verse 18, it says, And I will give you the best of the land of Egypt. Now there is some question, and I don't have an answer, maybe you do. Does that mean the best land in Egypt or the best produce of the land of Egypt? Hmm. Well, my translation is I'll give you the best of the land of Egypt and you can live off the abundance of the land. Yeah, mine says something similar to that. So you think that means... Mm -hmm. I guess whatever the land is producing. It means both. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like it. Mine says, I will give you the best of the land of Egypt, and you shall eat the fat of the land. That's, uh-huh. Doesn't really matter, I guess. You know, that's interesting, because that line's used in uh, Grapes of Wrath. Grapes of Wrath. Yeah. The movie about the, uh, the Depression and the yeah. Dust Bowl and Steinbeck all that. Steinbeck and all that, right? Yeah, so those two, the two men that are going across. Tom Jode? Going to go live off the fat of the land. Okay. We're all going out west towards California. Sure. Yeah. Huh, and they use that phrase. Uh, yeah, it's weird. Oh, okay. You remember the book or the movie? The movie. Oh, okay. You know my favorite part of the movie? They're or in maybe that. it's Mice and Men. Maybe it's the other one. The other uh, time. Similar idea, though. Yeah, there's a couple of It happens in... But favorite part of the movie, he's in one of those little, like, shantytown... Not shantytown, like a little town in California, and, and all these people are like, what's your name? He's like, Jode. And he's like, all right. And another guy comes up, name? He says, Jode. And he said, name? Another guy, name? He said, still Jode? <laughs> I thought it was hilarious. All right, you're an agitator, he said. All right, verse 19. And you, Joseph, are commanded to say, do this. Take wagons from the land of Egypt for your little ones and for your wives. So Pharaoh says, look, bring your whole family down here. And then he says, Joseph, now, Joseph, you're going to do it. You're going to tell your family to take the wagons, get back to Egypt, bring all their little ones here, their wives, their, your father, and come. And he says, you know what? And tell them, have no concern for your goods, for the best of all the land is yours. You know, Just get here. Pick up, leave everything. We got better stuff here anyway, and uh, you can all come down. How cool, huh? All right, so 21, the sons of Israel did so. Joseph gave them wagons according to the commandment of Pharaoh, and he gave them provisions for the journey. To each and all of them he gave a change of clothes, but to Benjamin he gave 300 shekels of silver and five changes of clothes. Why so much to Benjamin? It's a special bond there. Why? They're full brothers. Okay, and the rest, they were half-brothers. To his father he sent as follows, ten donkeys loaded uh, with the good things of Egypt, ten female donkeys loaded with grain, bread, and provision for his father on the journey, And then he sent his brothers away, and as they departed, he said to them, Do not quarrel on the way. That's what we say to our kids when we travel. All right? Um, So, you know, the idea sends plenty of uh, means for them to get back. Uh, But 24 is interesting. Do not quarrel on the way. What do you think they'd fight about? Anything. (laughs) Could be their brothers. I told you. I told you. Told you what? We shouldn't have sold them. Yeah. It, it could be something, yeah. you know, whose fault it was and yeah. 
he said, look, don't even worry about it. It's over. Let's move on. Uh, kind of thing. 25, so they went out of Egypt. They came to the land of Canaan to their father Jacob. And they told him, Joseph is still alive. He's ruler over all the land of Egypt. Come on. Oh, okay. I believe you. You know what I mean? Like, you know. And his heart became numb. Uh-oh. For he did not believe them. But when they told him all the words of Joseph, which he had said to them, and when he saw the wagons that Joseph had sent to carry him, like where would they get all that, you know? The spirit of their father Jacob revived, and all of Israel, excuse me, and Israel said, It is enough. Joseph, my son, is alive, still alive. I will go and see him before I die. Amen, right? Now remember, the last time we heard Jacob, of course it was, all right, go back to to this guy and get some more food. But it was he was very negative. It was sort of like, woe is me. Everything goes wrong in my life anyway. Take my son, I'll probably die also, you know. And here now he is essentially saying, like, it's enough. God's done what God's going to do, and praise the Lord. And uh, so that's good news. Um, but again, nothing more unexpected could have been told to him than Joseph is not only dead, but he's the king of Egypt, or close to being the king of Egypt. And it says his heart became numb. How do you say that? What's your say? Um, he becomes cynical. Huh? Oh, okay. I got you. I see how that could fit there. Said, but Jacob didn't believe him because he had become cynical. And I got a footnote because his heart had become numb. That's so the literal is uh, literal okay. is his heart became numb. I guess the interpretation. His heart had become numb. It couldn't be touched. It couldn't. Be, it wasn't soft, hard. We might say that's good. That's interesting. All right. But then he sees all of the uh, items and he said, "All right. Well, it must be true." And so then, despite his age, he agrees to go down to Egypt. I'm sure we could do some math if we look. I didn't do it, of how long he lives in Egypt. Um, I'm sure somebody has done it. We could, I'll, I'll hunt it up for the next time. But he goes down there, and he's going to be reunited with his brothers. Want to keep going? Yeah, sure. All right, chapter 46. So Israel took his journey with all that he had, and he came to Beersheba. And he offered sacrifices to the God of his father Isaac. And God spoke to Israel in visions of the night, and he said, Jacob, Jacob. And he said, Here am I. Then he said, I am God, the God of your father. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt. For there, where is it? For there I will make you into a great nation, and I myself will go down with you to Egypt, and I will also bring you up again, and Joseph's hand shall close your eyes. All right, so remember, God brought Jacob back to the promised land. He had he had left the land. He went to live with his uncle. He met his wife, his wives uh, there, and had all of his children, maybe probably with the exception of Benjamin. Uh, and then he came back to the land of Egypt, or excuse me, the promised land of Canaan, and settled there. Well, now he's about to leave the promised land, and he's about to go to Egypt. And it's as if he has some hesitancy. The Lord comes, speaks to him in the vision of the night, and he says, look, it's okay, go. I'm going to make you into that great nation that I told you. I'll bring you back to this land. You're going to die uh, and so on. But your, your son Joseph, you're going to see him. Uh, and he's going to close your eyes. That is, uh, bury you, if you will. Verse 5, Then Jacob set out from Beersheba. The sons of Israel came, uh, excuse me, carried Jacob, their father, the little ones, and their wives in the wagons that Pharaoh had sent to carry him. They also took their livestock and their goods, which they had gained in the land of Canaan, and came into Egypt. Jacob and all his offspring with him, his sons, his daughter, his sons, his sons, sons with him, 
his daughters, his son's daughters, all his offspring, he brought with him to Egypt. Now these are the names of the descendants of Israel. All right, here we go. Who came into Egypt. Jacob and his sons, Reuben, his firstborn, and the sons of Reuben, Hanak, Palu, Hezron, and Carmi. The sons of Simeon, Jemuel, that's again Jacob, son, Simeon, Jemuel, Jamin, Ohad, Jachin, Zohar, and Shaul, the son of a Canaanite woman. The sons of Levi, Gershon, Kohath, and Merari. Now, they're important names, by the way, uh, those three. Um, the sons of Levi, Gershon, Kohath, and Merari. Um, we learn a lot about them when the priesthood gets set up. Um, so, if you care, take note of that. Uh, verse 12, the sons of Judah, Ur, Onan, Shalez, Shalah, I should say, Perez, and Zerah. But Ur and Onan died in the land of Canaan. Remember that story? Yeah, we learned that in somewhere around 39 or so. That was the first two sons didn't have any children. And then finally, the last one was supposed to go into uh, the brother's wife and wouldn't. and Or no, uh, the, the first two wouldn't. And then the last one was never given uh, to her. And then finally, Judah conceived. And Remember that whole story? Mm-hmm. Okay, there the you go. Sort of details. Yeah, yeah. That was like... Uh, Jerry Springer. All right, verse 13. The sons of Issachar, Tola, Puva, Yab, and Shimron. The sons of Zebulun, Sered, Elon, and Jalil. These are the sons of Leah, whom she bore to Jacob in Padan Aram, together with his daughter Dinah. Altogether, his sons and his daughters numbered 33. Okay, so uh, look at verse 15. These are the sons of Leah. So Jacob, if you recall, he had two wives. It involved the fact that he was tricked. He was going to marry a lady named Rebecca. Rebecca's dad slipped in this lady, Leah. He's like, I didn't want to marry Leah. I wanted to marry Rebecca. He said, like, all right, well, you can marry her if you work for me another seven years. Then you can marry her. So, any, I said Rebecca, excuse me, Rachel. I was too many J's and too many R's. So anyway, Leah, Leah has those sons that we just mentioned to you and a daughter, Dinah. And the, the summary statement there in verse 15, all together, in that side of the family, there were 33. Verse 16. Now, the sons of Gad, Ziphion, Haggai, Shuni, Ezban, Eri, Arodi, and Erali. The, the sons of Asher, Imna, Ishva, Ishvi, Bariah, with Sarah, their sister. And the sons of Bariah, so grandsons or grandchildren, Eber and Machael. These are the sons of Zilpah, uh, whom Laban gave to Leah, his daughter. And these she bore to Jacob, 16 persons. So Zilpah is a concubine of Leah. She was like her maidservant. And when Leah stopped conceiving, you may recall, Zilpah was given to Jacob, and through her they conceived those children that we just mentioned there. So between children and grandchildren, as it says in verse 18, 16 persons. So it's uh, 49 total. Good counting. All right, keep track of that. Verse 19. <laughs> the, seven. But do keep track of it, by Why the not? way. All right, now, verse 19, the sons of Rachel, Jacob's wife, Leah's sister, Joseph, and Benjamin. And to Joseph in the land of Egypt were born Manasseh and Ephraim, whom Asenath, the daughter of Potipharah, the priest of On, bore to him. And the sons of Benjamin, Bela, Becker, Ashbel, Gira, Naaman, Ehi, Rosh, Muppam, Huppam, and Ard. <laughs> These are the sons of Rachel who were born to Jacob, 14 persons in all. So we're up to 63. Okay. 
Now the sons of Dan, Husham, okay, maybe I should say the son of Dan. <laughs> um, I think he talked a lot, so they just kept saying Husham. Verse 24, the sons of Naphtali, or Naphtali, Jaziel, Gani, Jazir, and Shilam. These are the sons of Bilhah, whom Laban, that's Rachel's dad, gave to Rachel his daughter. So Bilhah is a concubine of Rachel's. And these she bore to Jacob, seven persons in all. So, what do we say just now? Sixty seri plus seven? Seventy. All right, now, verse 26. All the persons belonging to Jacob who came into Egypt, who were his own descendants, not including Jacob's sons' wives, were sixty-six persons in all. And the sons of Joseph who were born to him in Egypt were two all the persons of the house of Jacob who came into Egypt were 70. All right, now we got a problem here. Mm-hmm. Look at verse 26. 26 says 66 persons yeah. in all. And then verse 27 talks about two more sons bringing the number to 70. 66 plus 2 doesn't equal 70. Two died. Two died. And not including... But two died, you'd take away from the 66, bringing it to 64, yeah. wouldn't you? Or you can make that counting them. Who? The two who died, 66. Yes, I think we are. Oh, oh wait, right, right. Never mind. Um, I think you only get two more. So it's two people in the county that's still roaming around that may not be dead to this day. That's right. If it ain't written in the book, then how? There is a solution. All right. So we have the 66, Joseph and his two sons, and Jacob are included in the number 66 there. Okay. And so that brings it up to 70. Okay. Okay. Um, I don't know what you do with the two that died and if they're counted as going but the, but anyway it works out right so don't be alarmed if somebody says the bible contradicts itself <laughs> um you can figure it out plenty of people have just google it and you'll figure it out <laughs> all right should we go on let's mm-hmm. see how verse 28 we'll just yeah, finish we'll up he had sent judah ahead of him to joseph to show the way before him in goshen and they came into the land of goshen Then Joseph prepared his chariot, and he went up to meet Israel, his father, in Goshen. And he presented himself to him, and he fell on his neck, and he wept on his neck a good while. What does yours say about good while? Wept for a long time as he held on to him. Sure, yeah, yeah. So, you just imagine. You know, I haven't seen my dad in all these years. He was close with his dad. He loved his dad. Um, His dad probably is weeping on his neck. Um, I'm sure they're talking. You know, I thought you were dead. You know, I was here kind of thing. Um, you know, God's promises, Dad. Yes, I know my son, you know, and all these things. I doubted, you know. And anyway, verse 30, Israel said to Joseph, Now let me die. No, you just got here. <laughs> Since I have seen your face and know that you are still alive, I I can die now is what he's saying. Um, Joseph said to his brothers and to his father's household, I will go up. And tell Pharaoh, and will say to him, My brothers in my father's household, who were in the land of Canaan, have come to me. And the men are shepherds. 
For they have been keepers of livestock, and they have brought their flocks and their herds and all that they have. And when Pharaoh calls you and he says, What's your occupation? You shall say, Your servants have been keepers of livestock from our youth, even until now, both we and our fathers, in order that you may dwell in the land of Goshen, for every shepherd is an abomination to the Egyptians. Now, why is this important? So Joseph says, and he's not telling the lie, they are. He says, tell them you're shepherds. Um, and you see the note there, shepherds are an abomination to the Egyptians. So the fact that they're shepherds will allow them, all right, well, then you guys stay out here. You live out here in the fields in Goshen. So why is, why is that a significant thing? Maybe it's not. I thought it was. Well, it keeps them segregated. Yeah, that's it. Wow. It's going to keep them as a separated people in the midst of the land of Egypt and preserve sort of the Jewish people uh, and things like that. And so and in future that's the significance of it. Versus there's always don't go to Egypt, that separation. Mm-hmm. That type is uh, hit on again. Yeah, we over see it. Over. Yep. So. Alrighty. Uh, and so this will be sort of Pharaoh's decision, but it'll ultimately be accomplishing God, God's purposes, good purposes, um, by them remaining separate. And so, so that's the story, Wishbone. If you know that PBS program, it was a good one. Uh, it was popular when my kids were little. I loved it. Anyway, any thoughts, questions, feelings? All right. So now they're in the land of Goshen, and it's it's really cool. So, the word for today. Is simply Goshen. Uh, okay, I was going to say, keep trusting the Lord even in the midst of things. Okay. Uh, you know, sometimes it just takes time and uh, and the perspective of the other side of things. Amen. 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 Thanks again for listening to the sermon podcast of Calvary Chapel of Mercer County. If you would like more information about the church, its ministries, its worship services, or its small groups please visit ccmercer.com or download the church app to your phone.